Help for what matters most. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our help in time of need, our paraclete, the Holy Spirit. That's what we're focused on today as we continue our survey of John. We're in chapter 14, verses 15 through 27. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us, won't you? And then join us Wednesday evening. Pastor Phil Howard will be the special guest on Lifeline here on KFAX with Craig Roberts. It'll be a marvelous chance to get to know Pastor Phil Howard just a bit more. Again, that's this Wednesday evening, 5 to 7, on Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Now, here's Pastor Phil. It says, if you love me, you won't do a thing I say. Can you imagine telling your child, please turn out the light. I love you, Daddy, but I'm not going to do it. It has severe consequences. If you love me, you will continually be keeping my commandments. Now, I said his. I don't believe this is everybody's commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. I'm using New American Because if I don't like ESV or NIV, I breathe the one I believe in. And I'll tell you more about the word helper. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Let's stop there. Let's get the setting again of what's going on when these words are said. We're in an upper room that Christ borrowed to say goodbye to his disciples. Twelve men show up. One has already struck a deal to sell the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. And Judas will leave the meeting that night, and so we'll be left with 11 men and Christ. Then we have Peter's great confession of, I will not abandon you no matter who tries to abandon you. And Christ says in that upper room at that meal, Peter... You will deny me before the rooster crows three times. And within 24 hours, that's fulfilled. If you read the Matthew account in chapter 26, it says of this night, in this very night, all fled Christ. Now, you've got to be somewhere in that upper room. You're either a Judas 
a failing Peter who boasts your loyalty, but you're getting ready to fail, maybe within 24 hours. Or were the cowards of the other 10 that just flee? We never pledge loyalty, and we certainly don't show loyalty, and we bail out. So this is a tragic night in many ways, a heart-sickening night when they're losing their heart. In the midst of it, Christ says, I'm no longer going to be with you. I'm saying goodbye. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to a tomb. But goodbye. I'm no longer going to be with you. I mean, everything seems to be folding up in a night. Think of this. I'm going to start a church with this group of men. The future looks dismal. And in the midst of it, Christ has said several things. One, just because I'm going away doesn't mean I won't be working on behalf of you. I'm moving my operation to the throne. And if you'll ask me for anything, I will grant it to you since I'm there. Chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Now, he goes on. And he reiterates what he will say over and over. If you really are my followers, you'll simply do what I tell you. It's simple. You'll obey my commands. But now he announces something. I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. That he may be with you forever. This one won't leave. That is the spirit of truth whom the world knows nothing about. Uh, several things I want us to look at. Uh, he's really saying help is on the way and you men desperately need help. The church will never get launched unless God provides divine help. And so he's saying, I want to tell you men, I'm going to send you help. Several things I want you to note. He says this, I will send you another helper. It's interesting, the word another, we've only got one word for another. The Greeks had two words. They had a word that meant another of the same kind, and they had another word, another of a different kind. We get the word heteros, heterodoxy, heterosexual, that which is opposite of one. Uh, another kind of teaching. But when you say this word, alas, easy to say, you're saying, I'm going to send another helper of the same kind as I have been. It's going to be the same quality, different person, but the same kind of help. Two, this helper is called the spirit of truth. No one less than the Holy Spirit is who he's going to send. And then this word helper. Uh, I don't know what translation you're reading. But uh, as you read, you read comforter, counselor. Uh, some just bail out and say paraclete, whatever that is. Is that a parakeet or is that a paraclete? They don't know. Uh, when you don't know what to do with it as a translator, just give them the Greek word and let everybody make up their meaning. Now, what, what is, does the word mean? 
it's kind of nice. I want to send you a parakletos. I'm going to send you literally one called alongside for the purpose of giving aid. John uses it five times. It's used of a lawyer that will go to court and represent you. And this is the way it's used in 1 John. When we sin, we have a legal aid, a legal lawyer who represents us before God, Jesus Christ, who pleads his cross work on behalf of the sinning believer. That's the help we get up there. But what about earth? How do we pull it off down here? He says, I'm going to give you a helper called alongside to give you aid, to give you strength, and he's going to abide with you forever. This is the Holy Spirit that is coming. I don't know about this congregation, uh, but if you were to ask many Christians anything about the Holy Spirit, uh, who he is, what he does, uh, they're dumb as a cluck about it. They don't know. Holy Spirit, you, you get this. You ever hear this? I'm in touch with my spirituality. You're in touch with your spirituality. What, what's that? You know you're talking to a Hindu or a New Ager. I'm in touch. I'm spiritual. In the Bible, no one is spiritual who is not in a proper relationship to the Holy Spirit. Spirituality isn't something I, I, I feel spirituality coming on. No, a conniption's coming on. <laughs> a, a fever's coming on. Now, this, you're not in tune with the Spirit. You're into subjective feelings, emotion. And let me get in touch with my whatever. Spirituality is related to the person of the Godhead. Listen to what a theologian called Packer says. Christian people are not in doubt as to the work that Christ did. And he obviously doesn't pastor in this area. He knows that he's redeemed by the atoning death of Christ, even if they differ among themselves about that. But the average Christian is in a complete fog as to what the work of the Holy Spirit does. If you ask a Christian, what does the Holy Spirit do for the believer now? Tell me. Outline it for me. Some talk of the Spirit of Christ in a way that you think they're talking about the Spirit of Christmas. They have no idea he's a divine person. Some the big tragedy is many Christians don't think of the Holy Spirit at all, according to Packer. They just have some no positive ideas of any sort about him. He says, they're sort of like the disciples in Acts 19. We haven't even heard there is such a Holy Spirit. So, who is the Holy Spirit? He is the helper that is sent. And what are some things he helps us with? What does he do for the believer? What is the help? What does it look like? And let me just say some things that about this helper. Uh, several things. He is a person. Never refer to him as an it. This isn't Casper we're talking about. 
You know, when I used to hear the word ghost, did you, anybody remember Casper? These poor young people, we've got to update them. You didn't grow up on Casper. We grew up on the good stuff. Uh, I mean, it's floating in, floating out, or haunted houses. There's spirits there. We just went to one in Disneyland. AJ nearly jumped out of his hide. You know, haunted, the spirits are there. Wait, 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 wait. We're talking about a person who has intellect, will, emotion. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a divine person as much as God the Son, as much as the Father. We believe in three persons in the Godhead. See, some of you already, there's a film over your eyes because you don't know. So I'll take your word for it. If we had time, we would just do a whole study on the Trinity. That's another thing most believers today could not articulate. The Holy Spirit is seen in the Bible to be a part of creation. He was back there. He hovered over the waters in Genesis 1. He was at the conception of Christ. He hovered over Mary in Acts 1. He protected her in the midst of carrying the Messiah. Uh, he's the agent that reveals scripture to us. He, he's been active ever since creation. He, he is a divine person. I'm sending you another person of the Godhead who is omniscient, all-powerful, all has all the attributes of the other members of the Godhead. I'm going to send him and he will be with you forever. A divine person. Matter of fact, he is treated so much as a person. Uh, let me show you two examples. Turn in your Bibles, Matthew, or your iPad. Just turn. I've given up trying to convert you. Look at uh, Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Verse 18. Great commission. Listen to this. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the names of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What did I incorrectly do? Why one name? One God, three persons. One God, go baptize him in the name of God. What's the name of God? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Turn to Acts, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We're going to take an offering pretty soon. Remember this chapter. Or you may not get out of here alive. I told the Lord I'd give. But he knows we need a houseboat. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And kept back some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it. He laid it at the apostles feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? Why? What are you lying for? 
While it remained unsold, did it not remain your, yours? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Verse 3, he lied to the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, the Holy Spirit is called God. The Holy Spirit is God. I'm going to send you men help. I am going to become the invisible member of the Godhead once again. I'm going to go back. Matter of fact, the help will remain invisible. But he's going to give you the same kind of help that I gave you for these 33 years in my ministry. He will do for you anything I want him to do, anything I can do as the Son of God, he will be able to do. And I and my Father will commission him to come because you guys are going to fail, fail, fail. And we're never going to get outside of Jerusalem if we don't infuse some power in you. And so he says in Luke 24, go to Jerusalem and stay there and don't even move until I send you the spirit of promise. Stay in Jerusalem. Some of you have never waited long enough for God to empower you before you jump out there trying to do something for God. You better learn, first of all, to tap the power of God. You're not ready to do anything until you discover, how can I draw on this divine power? Too much church work is human activity without the Spirit. You could do it at the Moose Lodge as well as you could do it here. You just got high energy and you're going to do something, but God's not bearing any fruit. Because activity without the Spirit is just activity. Now, I want us just to survey. I wrote down more than what I've got. But let me give you a sample of some of the things the Spirit wants to do for the believer and what he does for the believer. And let's just take a little uh, review of the person and work of the Spirit. Here's what the Spirit does for believers. This is the kind of help we needed. Are you ready? Number one, uh, he is the agent that imparts life to us. Titus says we've been born again or regenerated by the power of the Spirit who applies the death of Christ to the believer and washes us as it were, makes us clean before God, and he's the agent that imparts to us the, the Spirit that comes. We're born again of the Word of God, the seed. We're born from the Holy Spirit. So, your new birth, who was actively involved. He came, because you see, when God starts dealing with an unsaved person, he starts with a corpse. You're dead towards God outside of Christ. And we must be quickened. We must be made alive. Who made you alive? It was the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit that regenerated Lest you try to believe me, let's look at the verse. I'm a Bible Christian. What about you? you? You don't know any more about God than you know about his word. The rest have just been dreams. 
You can never become what God wants you to be until you make it your business to know what he said. His word is the agent of transformation. Watch what he says. Verse 4 of Titus. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love to mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces a renewed people, a new kind of people. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, when he saved you, there's something else he did. He uh, immersed you into the body of Christ. Turn. You've got to turn the Bible. I know you don't know where the books are, but you've got to learn them. Come on. And if you're sitting with a young person, share your Bible, but don't show them you don't know where it is either. Help them out. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, verse 12. Have all believers uh, received the baptism of the Spirit? Prove it, whatever your answer is. Prove it. Look at verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized. And he's not out of baptistry tank or some creek with fish that can bite you. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. All believers have drank of one spirit. He comes to every believer. And here there's this debate among charismatics and concerns. Have all believers received the baptism of the Spirit? And they'll use baptism to speak of power, uh, enablement, maybe tongues. That's their language. I grew up on that language. I know what they mean. But here you find out the baptizing work of the Spirit had nothing to do with power or tongues. And it was not just a select group. All of you have been baptized into the body of Christ. You know what that means? When you were baptized, the synonym for baptism equals identified with. If you were baptized under John's baptism, you were identified with him. If you were baptized in the cloud with Moses, 1 Corinthians 10, 1, you were identified with him. When you were baptized into Christ, the Spirit took you, who used to be in sin, used to be in Adam, and the moment you believed, you didn't even know it, he took you, and in the mind of God, he, from now on, sees you identified with his son, so he treats you like he treats his son. He, you've got a future like the son. You are the son's property. You've got his righteousness. You've got his acceptance. I am identified, not with Adam anymore. I'm identified with the new man in the third heaven. The Spirit immersed me into Christ. Now, all the power and that kind of theology is more spirit-filling. But because baptism was used on the day of Pentecost, see, on the day the church was born, and he baptized them all in the Holy Spirit. 
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together has come to a close here, but as we leave you, we'd like to do so with our address and phone number if you'd like to contact us. And we would love to hear from you. You see, Truth For Today airs here on KFAX in part through financial partnerships with our listeners, such as yourself. If the Lord is prompting you to make either a one-time gift or be a monthly donor, we would love to hear from you. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please take a moment and contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And as our way of saying thank you for your partnership with us, we'll make you a TFT sustainer, which includes our quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, into your email box every week. Again, it's all part of our TFT Sustainers Package. Contact us and learn more at 855-833-9864 or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. And you can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you stop by our website, valleybible.org, please remember other resource materials are available there. Other series is taught by Pastor Phil, some of the books that he's authored. You can also find out about Valley Bible Church, who we are and what we believe, how to get here, times that we worship. And you're more than welcome to join us. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. Stop by and pay us a visit. Then drop us an email and let us know you did pay us a visit. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 